This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, an energy worker, a channel, and also a psychic medium. And uh, my other site is uh, healingsuicide.com. And this MP3 today is about Pluto Square Eris. Pluto and Capricorn currently, right? From uh, 2008 to roughly, you know, 2023, 24. And also Eris in Aries. And they are within five degrees of squaring each other right now. And after yesterday I did this MP3 on uh, not really a full karmic profile, but I talked about Brett Kavanaugh's chart, this nominee to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, who's got all these, you know, a handful of uh, inappropriate activities, sexual abuse allegations, all this kind of stuff. And, and yesterday <clears throat> was the live testimony of the first woman who came forward, uh, and then also the guy himself in front of this uh, congressional, the Senate committee on the judiciary. And I'm thinking about all the reactions that people are having. And um, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook, but my girlfriend just told me that she's just aware her news feed is full of people, you know, reports of people coming forward. And I wanted to do the second MP3 today. Um, and uh, the MP3 from yesterday, I encourage you to to uh, check it out because it's a good astrology teaching on Pluto square the nodes, Chiron square the nodes, Chiron opposite Pluto, and also Lilith, two Liliths. Uh, Kavanaugh has Venus conjunct the true black moon Lilith in Aquarius, and also he has the asteroid Lilith conjunct Chiron opposing Pluto Uranus square the nodes. So I encourage you to check that out. Um, it's focusing on him um, in a way that puts his, uh, you know, potential behaviors and character in a wider in a wider context, but also teaching about the astrology stuff. This MP3 today has nothing to do really with him except as a poster child for some of this stuff that's going on and uh, pulling out of the collective people to come forward. You know, uh, this, you know, this, um, uh, the psychology professor who first came forward, the, I'm blanking on her name right now, Christine something, Christine Blasey Ford, she came forward when she saw that he was on this short list, right? And um, she wanted to give the the committee an attempt, or the president and the you know Senate the opportunity to pick someone else from the list who's highly qualified because she wanted them to know. Well, Well, you know, when she decided to come forward and put her name to it is when, you know, all this stuff started happening. What I want to paint for you, and so I want, but now, you know, her testimony is essentially meaningless because these old white guys, these Republicans on this committee don't care. So a lot of observations about what that means and how this continues, this pattern and all this stuff, like make a big show out of giving this person a voice, but then disregard what she says, not being, not be willing to investigate it, you know, not send it to the FBI. The only reason the FBI is not investigating it is because this congressional committee has not instructed the FBI to do so. They've decided it doesn't matter. So the loss of the, the seeming loss of voice, the not quite silencing, but the indifference toward, like we have a cultural problem with the silencing. But beyond that, this committee is showing the indifference. Oh, okay, well, we'll go through the motions of listening. We'll listen to the words, but we don't care. That is the uh, another layer of cultural problems. So this is a global sickness. This whole thing about power differential, pow, you know, sex used as power, the whole thing about the structure of the patriarchy. And as I talked about yesterday, I encourage you strongly to read uh, The Goddess, Past, Present, and Future, a channeled book um, that I brought through from Ascended Master Jehudi, also known as Thoth, Saint Germain, Merlin, Hermes. He's the Hermes figure in all cultures. He's a teacher, writer, translator, scribe, and he's tutored me on, on soul and is constantly with me as a resource, excuse me, to um, kind of look at the higher perspective on things. And so that book is about our relationship culturally, collectively, with the goddess, with the spirit of the divine feminine within us, and also why all that is are humans, right? Souls as humans. Why we've co-created this patriarchal structure, this imbalance between masculine and feminine, and how to heal it individually 
one by one. And there is also, a, I added a couple of years later, a, or a year or two later, uh, a section which is a transcription of um, a channeling event I did in Portland, Oregon when I was on a book tour uh, in 2011. And it's called Conscious Communion Healing Sex. So I added that to it because it, it's from Jehudi, again, but it rounds out that teaching and adds something really important to it. So God is past, present, and future. I strongly encourage you, if you are affected personally or just collectively by the Me Too thing, if you have noticed you know, the, the, all the things you can't help but notice about the, the, the differential in respect and power between the genders you know, in, in many societies around the world, to understand why the patriarchy happened why it's happening and how to come out of it. The other thing is the, the Lilith book, the astrology book, uh, the first third of it uh, approximately is essays on cultures, uh, society, mythology, psychology, archetype. And the, la the latter two thirds is, are an astrology book, of course. Those two together are kind of companion volumes for understanding and healing the patriarchy day by day, person by person. Okay, so anyway, I talked about that yesterday, but there's this collective thing going on now where, um, you know, in 2017, uh, Jupiter entered Scorpio, and right before that, the Weinstein stuff was coming up. I, I want to say it was two weeks or something. It was right before. I don't quote me on the dates. Uh, I don't understand time today. <laughs> um, I was telling my girlfriend earlier, yeah, last night, I'm going to be cutting up these onions now. Like I was like having this disarray of time and objects and where I was putting things and not remembering I didn't put things away, etc. So, um, um, so last night in a few minutes I'm going to cut up these onions. So this, you know, Jupiter is about expansion. Transiting Jupiter is about looking. Well, will you allow that tomorrow can be better? So it's always asking you in transit, collectively and individually. It's asking us or you and me, will you allow things can be better? Will you have more faith? Will you have more confidence? Will you take a risk to be happier and joyful? Will you take a risk to be more fulfilled, to have a more meaningful experience? Blah, blah, blah. It's not about, as some may assume, it's not about you know the greater benefic. It's not about luck and fortune and chance and winnings and abundance. It's more about pointing out to you that opportunities exist. Do you hold yourself back? So it's about realizing that there is opportunity around you and then risking the seizing of that opportunity to expand. So Jupiter in Scorpio for a little over a year, and it's still there now, um, there's a story about needing to dig through the buried past and emotional pain and crap about sexuality and abuse, needing to dig through this these records of memories, very painful memories, of um, you know shitty treatment, abuse of all kinds, power over, power under dynamics, where people have manipulated or used or abused people or each other, or you know someone has done that to somebody else. Jupiter and Scorpio has been saying for just about a year, yeah, you have to look at that if you're going to move forward. So then we have this wave of people coming forward, right? Oh, celebrity types saying yes, this producer, that director, that actor, whatever, but also. That's just the first wave of a small segment of the population, and that it's been spreading. It's been spreading. So now, this is on the most visible, most public stage, at least in the U.S. Of course, it's the U.S. Congress. This, this, you know, uh, vetting their or investigating, not investigating. They're not investigating. Having these hearings on the potential confirmation of this dude to. Um, the highest court in the land, a lifetime appointment to become one of the most powerful people in this nation. So this is um, more of a blossoming than just the headlines being filled with this celebrity, that celebrity. So this is increasing. This is getting louder. Now we have the context, and this is what I really want to teach you today, about Pluto and Capricorn, square Eris and Aries. First of all, Pluto and Capricorn is about you realizing who you have ceded power to. Who have you given up control of your life to? What structures, institutions, or things in 3D reality do you perceive keep you small or boxed in or powerless? Since 2008, I've been talking about this as this question, who's your daddy? 
kind of being a smart ass about it. Who's in charge of your life? Who do you believe is in charge? But really more importantly, who do you believe should be in charge of your life? And why? What is it about you that keeps you from having power? Well, what is it about those people or that person that seems to justify that person having power? And as we cycle through those things as individuals in our own heads and hearts, perhaps losing sleep, (laughs) perhaps uh, being distracted from our tasks, as again, difficult things are coming up and we have to face them, escalated over the last year or so with Jupiter in Scorpio. I do have a full MP3 on my website under Learn Astrology, toward the bottom of the page under the Astrology MP3s, about Jupiter and Scorpio, going into these all of these themes. I think it's almost an hour long, and it's uh, it's worth listening to, to understand some of this, the stuff that's going on, individually as well as, again, uh, socially and collectively. So Pluto and Capricorn has been building this thing for you know over 10 years, since January of 2008. Who's in charge of your life? And, and one question here is, what are you willing to do to take charge of your life? Now, if you, or anybody, not picking on you, dear listener, if you feel, if you perceive and believe that you are powerless and you've been ground down and that you don't have options and that someone else or something else is stronger than you or seems to have more power, then you may feel boxed into a corner, right? You may feel uh, that you don't have choices. You may be angry about that because pain inspires anger and feeling that we don't have free will or that we're boxed in hurts. So we had seven squares of Uranus and Aries, uh, square of the Pluto and Capricorn, between 2012 and 2015. And actually, I just did a teaching involving this, the natal signature for little kids being born now. Lots of kids from, well, some kids in 2009 and 10, but then through 2011 through 15 or 16, and then now some up until March of 2019, the natal Pluto-Uranus square, that's a free video. It's about an hour long. Uh, look up Tom Jacobs, um, I don't know, Tom Jacobs Pluto Uranus, I don't know, on YouTube, something like that. Because um, I want people to understand the impact that can have, that that natal signature has on their kids. Because it's important to understand that Pluto square Uranus can be an indicator of buried trauma from other lifetimes that may affect the little kid in ways he or she doesn't understand and nobody else does either. So, anyway, with those seven squares, you and I and everybody else had the opportunity to realize how angry we are (laughs) at feeling disenfranchised by those people who think or that they're in power, but then also realizing, what what am I willing to do to bust out, to break free from this confinement or constriction? So, in that context, right, since early 2008, Pluto and Capricorn has been asking you who's in charge of your life and why have you given away power? What do you think power is? That's where all this leads, right? What do you think power is? And I'm spending a lot of time teaching people how to reinvent what power is. And actually, I'll tell you that uh, as of uh, September 28th at 10 a.m. Pacific time at this recording, uh, there is now one spot open in the Pluto healing intensive that takes place October 25th through 28th in Sedona, Arizona. So contact me or go to the Healing Courses page on tdjacobs.com for more info on that. If you're that person, let me know ASAP so we can set things up. Transformation. Transformative opportunity to get to the bottom of your own Plutonian stuff. That's what this is about. So since early 2008, Pluto and Capricorn has been asking you to evaluate who's in charge of your life, and to recognize that sense of powerlessness that you might not have free will and choice. Then we have the three squares, seven squares, sorry, between over those three years, 2012 to 2015, where you might rebel. You might realize you want to shake your fist in the air, and you just feel angry, right? Uranus and Aries is this eruption of the old tension, an eruption of the, the old issues, the buried, suppressed tension that's become distorted into rage and hatred and whatever. So anger protest, right? Then this is, you know, this wound is opened. And just because those squares stopped after 2015 doesn't, you know, if you use an orb of 8 degrees, it's portions of 2008 up to portions of 2019. 
that's what the presentation is about. If you use an orb of eight degrees, you know, in the natal chart, which is pretty standard with aspects between planets, you know, especially a square, then you have this, you know, off and on for 11 years, you have this issue. So the wound is still open, right? There's exact squares, seven over three years. That's the exact square where the, where the orb of uh, is zero, right? Where they're exactly to the minute square each other. So the wound is still open, and then this, you know, um, I don't, I don't know what invective to use. I don't want to be too negative here. The, the, the then this gentleman here in the U.S. That's, yeah, that's even offensive. This, um, this man, this man-child, <laughs> is elected by the electoral college, electoral college here in the U.S. to be president. It's hard even to say man. Certainly not gentleman. Um, anyway, so he's elected, and and you know he's admitted on tape to these things that the collective is already smarting about and hurting about, and it escalates right. Then Jupiter enters Scorpio in 2017, so now it's all up, is what I want to say. In that context, people are evaluating, individuals are evaluating, like they're being triggered by these events by the horrible things that the man-child and other people say. Now we have the beginning of about five years, off and on, of within uh, five degrees of orb. Because thinking about transiting planets, especially outer planets, I'll think about five degrees of orb. If I'm looking at natal signatures, I'll think about eight degrees of orb, just FYI. Okay, you might have, you might have picked that up or presumed that from how I explained the natal Uranus-Pluto square versus the seven exact squares, but okay. Uh, seven exact squares over three years, but then over, you know, over nine years-ish, or uh, no, is it 11? It's 2008 to 2019 off and on, so almost 11 years off and on, right, of the, uh, of the natal square within eight degrees. Okay, good. So Pluto square Eris adds depth to this conversation. Now let's talk about who Eris is. I'll tell you that uh, in Living Myth 2, my newest book, Living Myth 2, Sacred Psychology, there is a detailed chapter on the archetype and myth and psychology and healing potential of Eris. So I encourage you to get Living Myth 2 and read that. It's one of, um, I believe, 10 or 11 different uh, uh, archetypes covered in that book. It's not an astrology book, though Nessus is also included. And if you're into astrology, I'd encourage you to um, get it for Nessus and Eris because we're going to be using them more. You know, Eris was discovered, uh, cited in 2003, given an astronomical designation in 2005. Like, oh, this is a valid thing to look at, and then actually named Eris in 2006. So, so that's only 12 years, right, as of this recording. That's really new, and it's going to be very important in my view, not only for collective trends, but also for individual psychological issues. Uh, most people, I think, would say that's not really about the individual, because they this is a traditional thing to say that outer planets don't affect you personally. Of course, in evolutionary astrology, we look at things differently. And with Eris, you know, its orbit's estimated now to be 558 years. Pluto's is 248. So it's further away from the sun, right, in certain portions, right, of its orbit, and um, it's even deeper than Pluto. It's farther away from the sun most of the time than Pluto ever could be. So, Eris is an outsider archetype who is snubbed, <laughs> who is not invited to this very important big deal wedding between two deities. Uh to which every, the wedding is, uh, has everyone else invited. Every other deity is invited but Eris. So she's left out and it hurts her. So here we have Pluto and Capricorn for 10 years. <laughs> Who's in charge of her life, etc. Then the Pluto-Uranus Pluto squares and the eruption of anger about injustice and trying to get people to, uh, you know, for you to free yourself from what confines you, but also trying to hold those who are confining us or seem to take the power we seem to give over to them, uh, you know, holding them accountable, right, for their misdeeds, etc. And then this man-child gets elected, blah, 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 this whole Jupiter adventure Scorpio. Well, now, over the last 
you know, 10 years, and then all the stuff in between I keep referencing in this rapid-fire way, you are getting individuals confronting their own histories of disempowerment and abuse being used, being raped, or other things, any other things, being molested as a child, you know, inappropriate things, being attacked, being, you know, all these different kinds of things, being used and manipulated, all the list of terrible things regarding power crap when it comes to sexuality. Individuals are realizing now with the Pluto Square Heiress, I've always known I'm not alone, but it really looks like I need to contribute my story to this collective story. So this is an incredibly challenging time for a lot of people, and yet I want you to understand that you cannot heal anything if you don't name it, if you don't confront it. So, the person whose voice has been left out and ignored by the patriarchal status quo now feels this urgency to come forward. And let's talk about Christine Blasey Ford. I said in yesterday's MP3 that when I listened to her, I noticed that it wasn't just the anxiety of the day, because she was, you know, afraid to testify. She had some anxiety and nervousness about, you know, her family's been threatened, they've had to move, like, you know, but she's also like, you know, testifying about these things, and she understands that she may not be believed, and, you know, it's stressful. And so, but what I'm saying about the energy in her voice and her body is not just the stress of the day or the last few months. Um, I do believe she has been, you know, as I said yesterday, I do believe that she has been through this or something like it. Like, the energy is definitely there. Well, I think if she came forward and she were angry and raging, I think that we might not, all of us, have been quite as affected emotionally as a lot of people seem to be affected by her testimony. I watched it last night. I think it was 17 minutes or something like that. Uh, so I watched a replay, right, of a little recording online. But she brings her intellect and her heart and her vulnerability. You know, this has affected my life. I'm not quoting her at all, but, you know, that's what this message is. This is what happened. This is how it's affected me. So, Eris within you, within any woman or man, adult or child, man or woman, boy or girl, needs to be reckoned with. And at first, Eris and Aries square Pluto and Capricorn, the structure, in this case of this governmental body, this august body that's supposed to be respectable, they're doing everything they can to skirt having to do anything or believe her. So they make, like I said, this big show about having her come to testify, but they don't give a shit. They don't care. And that is a cultural holdover of this patriarchal power thing. Anything they can do to grab power. I just heard a, a journalist say something this morning on uh, some other video about um, um, that was recorded last night about how Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, um, has said that he, he believes his greatest political accomplishment is preventing Merritt Garland from even getting a hearing, let alone confirmation, when Obama was president. That whole power grab, they stole a seat. So he considers that his great, because all he cares about is this very you know narrow power thing. So... Um, The people who get left out now have to speak. And it is not, you know, acceptable anymore for you to hide what has disempowered you. So my part in this story is to offer this idea to you, not of what I've said thus far, but what I'm about to say. You will experience anger, and you will experience frustration, and you may come up against some brick walls, when you assert the truth that you deserve to be heard. 
and it is up to you to own your vulnerability and your pain and all the feelings and not back down from being honest. And this is what we saw in in Christine Blasey Ford. People say Blasey, I don't know, Blasey, Blasey, whatever. This is what I'm saying. You could hear the emotion in her voice. Aside from, you know, crying, her whole statement was connected to her heart and she was exposing herself and being vulnerable. So as I said, if she were angry, it would be easy, maybe it would be easier to block her or block her out or prevent, you know, giving her credit in some way. But that vulnerable, so, so anger is not the path forward. Honor your anger. But what I'm saying to you is, it is her vulnerability that spoke to people, that is still speaking to people, that has opened some hearts where some, some person, man or woman, who's been through some such experience, who either said something and wasn't listened to, or who didn't say something because he or she knew that someone who seemed to have power, somebody who had worldly power, had more power, like that it wouldn't matter. That Those people are being affected, and this emotion, this pain from the past, is being pulled to the surface. As I teach often, it is not in the natural order of things for you to retain pain and suffering and grief and sorrow and anger and resentment and depressiveness and whatever. It is not in the natural order of things according to how your consciousness is constructed. It is not, I wouldn't (laughs) feel like I have to add this note. Some people who are doing abundance teaching will say, it is your birthright to be abundant. And what I would say is, It is your um, birthright to choose health, (laughs) but it is inevitable that unhealth or the lack of health will come to the surface and reveal itself to you until it's resolved. So it's not in the natural order of things that you hide guilt, that you harbor shame. It, It is not natural from your soul's perspective, from the perspective of goddess and God consciousness, in other words, your soul is part of divine consciousness. It's not natural, the way the way we are set up as consciousness, to harbor and hold on to these things and let them fester. So they will be triggered. And what I'm getting at in this MP3 today is that we have a collective triggering. Starts with some whispers in 2008. Uh, seven squares from Pluto Uranus, 2012 to 2015. It heightens, but anger comes up first. Resistance, rebellion, right? Anger. And then we have Jupiter going into Scorpio, and we cannot avoid the emotional toll that these things have taken on us as individuals. And some people start speaking up, and then more, and then more. And now Pluto, square, Pluto and Capricorn square Uranus and Aries two outer planets, the two in our solar system as currently recognized, the two slowest, furthest away from the sun planets. So these are deep themes in the collective. And whatever your experience might be from this life or other lifetimes, expect to be triggered. Expect to find anger, but understand anger is sourced in pain. Anger comes from pain. One of the other things about Eris that I want to mention briefly is, well, whatever. I can't mention anything briefly. (laughs) Um, Insecurity. So, um, a person, Eris and Aries, and everybody who's born from late 1926 onward has Eris and Aries natally. This is why some people might say you shouldn't pay attention to it personally, because we all have it in the same sign. We're just all in this collective need, we all happen to be in the same boat, of needing to learn about Eris through the lens of defensiveness and conflict. So that, that's what it means. So, um, yeah, think about that. It's 2018, so if you are younger than 92, 
as of this recording, September 28, 2018, then you have roughly, because I, I don't know numbers or time, I don't do that anymore today, yet, anymore, uh, then you have Eris and Aries natally. So we're all learning, most of us on this planet, except our older citizens, over 92, have this in, have this in common. So when Eris is not invited to this party, she's left out, right? She is, she is created to be an outsider, and her thoughts or feelings or opinions don't matter. That's kind of where I've been so far with this MP3, talking about Eris. One of the things that happens is she, in her pain... She lashes out, and she triggers other people's insecurities, so they are hurt. So, when you feel the pain or the anger that comes up, right, and if you have the experience of any kind of physical or other kinds of abuse, including sexual, if you have that experience, you might have anger or you might have pain. Like the first thing that comes to the surface, I should say, could be one of those two emotions. It could be sorrow or feeling defeated. Or, you know, it could be one thing first. But if you start looking at it, it will show it has layers and dimensions. And you will find anger if you don't find it at first. And if you're angry, then you will find sadness and pain if you don't find it at first. You, you will find it because there's, there's a whole kind of collection of things that that you know we feel one way we're, we're having experience that affects us in certain ways we feel in response and then um, other things happen within us right if we don't deal with it or you know there's like a maturation or an unfolding process that happens with these really painful experiences and um, including anything traumatic or anything related to chronic stress which these abusive scenarios can you know fit with one of those two categories so when you're tapping into anger or when you're feeling that anger directly there's a part of you who is Eris who may naturally be inclined toward wanting to lash out or make something harder for somebody else or call them out on it or something to try to make them hurt or you know something when you're in the sad phase regarding Eris you don't you just feel sad <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking of um, a couple of things. And one thing is, oh, so insecurity. So you may have insecurity about speaking up, but once you speak up, then you may trigger others' insecurities. That's a natural heiress process. But then um, you may have the ability to see what the other person's vulnerabilities and insecurities are. You might call that person out. I'm thinking of a couple of examples. One of them is, and I mentioned this in some MP3s, or maybe just for my subscribers, my monthly subscribers several months ago, talking about this Eris Pluto stuff. Um, yeah, I think it was just for them, but I mentioned it several months in a row. The After the Parkland shooting in Florida, those, uh, primarily it looked like a handful of teenagers kind of being a voice for this community of kids and families. Um and calling out, for example, Senator Marco Rubio, you know, will you stop taking donations from the NRA? If you really care about what happened here, will you stop doing that? And, of course, Rubio won't come up with an answer. You know, the, because the insecurity of Rubio is needing money to be reelected. Because it's not about principles, it's about money. So, because the U.S. has Pluto... <laughs> Because the U.S. has Pluto natally on its south node, everything looks to be about Pluto and power over power over power under dynamics. So that you know, calling out, and then the the one of those kids, I think is I think it's David Hogg or something Hogg, his last name is Hogg with two G's. He had that thing with Laura Ingram where she, when he was not on her show, and she, I don't know how you say it, she mocked him, she made fun of him, she said mean things about the school, the colleges he was rejected from or something like that. And instead of really engaging with that, he tweeted out, and at this point, because of being so vocal, there was a number of followers, right, that he had, and influence, right, reach. People were listening to him, in other words, this 17-year-old kid or whatever, um, or however old he is, 16, 17. 
And he tweeted out a list of her, I don't know if it was 11 or 14 or 17 sponsors for her show, and said, hey, everybody, boycott these people. And if it was 14, I believe 11 of the sponsors pulled out within a few days. So that's Eris. One of her insecurities, having a TV show that's paid for, again, money, paid for by you know, businesses is rally the community to boycott those businesses. That's Eris. He knows what her button is. So the other example, just very fresh from last night, is after, or maybe it was this morning actually, I saw the headline this morning, after um, there was question about whether soon-to-be-retiring Senator Jeff Flake from Arizona, my state actually, where I've been imprisoned for nine years, nine years and 13 days, <laughs> Who's counting? Um, where I've been incar- incarcerated uh, in Satan's Satan's uh, disgusting oven. So anyway, so he, after days of uncertainty of whether or not, as a member of this subcommittee, he would vote for her or whatever, uh, vote for Kavanaugh, sorry, not Eris, <laughs> vote for her. He's, he's going to vote for Eris. Um, or not, we don't know yet what she's going to do. But then he said he would vote. He would vote yes for Kavanaugh. And he said after the hearings, he had more doubt than before, which is just complete expletiving garbage. Anyway, it's political, right? Even though he's retiring, he doesn't want to deal with the backlash. So this one or two people confronted him at the elevator as he was leaving and said, if you vote for him, something like, if you vote for him, so he's in the elevator and they're in the doorway. If you vote for him, then you're saying that what happened to me doesn't matter. And then one of them is like, look at me when I'm talking to you. Well, this is Eris as well. The angry person whose voice has been ignored, who person who's been shunned or created to be an outsider because it doesn't fit, like it's unpleasant to do that. Eris is naming strife or discord. That's why they don't invite her to the party, the the big deal wedding. They don't invite her because they don't want to deal with her difficulty. So anyone who has been abused and speaks up about it and expects to be heard is an heiress person. But also people who feel ashamed or feel such loneliness and despair that they don't, that's an heiress person as well. But the I call Lilith and heiress the myths of difficult women. They're the, the stories of difficult women. And I spent a lot of time doing that over the years, teaching about Eris and Lilith and small group workshops and bigger talks. And the Lilith book is out. The Lilith Niddle Report is out. And I also have a book on Eris that is slowly in process. Um, and when you tell the story of Lilith to a Lilith person and you give an empowering view on it, when you tell the story of Eris in an empowering way to an Eris person, they can stop wondering or assuming, wondering if or assuming that they should be treated poorly because they spoke up. So everybody needs to be, needs to own, like if you want to really change how things are working in the world around you, own, whether you're man or woman, doesn't matter gender identity, sexual orientation, pipes, you know, none of this matters. Own and embrace the myth of the difficult woman without shame. As I talk about in the Lilith book, the, I don't know what the right word is. I don't know if explosion is the right word, but the rise, this the, the pretty quick rise of feminism in the early 70s or maybe 1970 itself, this is about anger. It's anger. And then it grows over the 70s. Pluto enters Libra, like 71, 72. And there's this extreme sense of injustice and the anger is there. But anger is not the answer. Like I said, honor the fact that you're angry or that others are angry. Like acknowledge it, don't bury it. But also don't ignore people because they have anger. Anger comes from pain. If you're in any way open to creating a better world, for yourself, your loved ones, the world around you, other people, whatever, 
then you owe it to yourself to learn to hold space for an angry person. Like I said, the myth of the difficult woman. I'm not trying to pick on women, but that sense of, in this cultural context, those voices aren't welcome. right? Lilith is not welcome. Lilith says, you can't do anything you want to my body. <laughs> you can't make decisions to tell me how to treat my body, whether it's about food or healthcare or sex or relationships or sexuality or anything. How I use my time, what I wear. You, you don't have the, because Lilith is about the need to develop autonomy, but again, without shame, without expectation of punishment, owning this in a self-loving way. And then the heiress difficult woman thing is, what you did hurt me. So the tendency, as again, circling back to the anger thing, the tendency is to run with the anger because the pain has been suppressed so long, now it uh, wants to explode. You know, it's a pressure cooker that's going to burst. So the inclination is to run with the, pain, the anger. That's what we see in the first threads of, you know, feminism in the early 70s. I don't have any criticism for that, for those people or those movements or those behaviors. or I don't have any criticism of it because it's important to understand that as a part of the evolutionary process. If you're going to bottle something up for a long time and then let it out, yeah, anger is going to be there because it hurts. It sucks to be suppressed and to feel that constricted and that boiling inside you. So, I mean, we can broaden this out to any kind of oppression, suppression, abuse, whatever, because the first wave of what happens may be anger. Now, I instruct you, I, cha I charge you, this is your job now, listener, when you see anger, remember with absolute certainty that it is caused by pain. If you do this, and everyone else does this, the world will change. Because you'll stop vilifying people who are angry. You'll stop shaming them and fearing them. You'll stop blaming yourself for having such an unattractive emotion. You'll stop thinking something's wrong with you because you can't let go of this anger. It's sourced in pain. It's generated by pain. It's a defensive, you know, um, it's not proactive, what's the word? Preemptive response to the threat of future pain. So with these Pluto era squares, we're going to see all kinds of examples over the next you know, more, five or more years of, again, using an orb of five degrees. We see plenty of examples of a person saying, why are you leaving my voice out? I'm standing right in front of you telling you this and you're ignoring me. And those people who are ignoring them will not be, well, they will in some cases be a loved one but they will also, in many cases, be institutions of all kinds. Corporations, institutions, governments, schools, all kinds of civic bodies, right? Such as like Congress, other things. People's voices have to be owned. So what I'm saying to you is when you find anger in yourself, deal with it. <laughs> Ground it. Go run around the block, do some jumping jacks, lift some weights, tell someone, you know, call somebody like me and bitch and moan and then get a higher perspective on why your soul has you experiencing things. Um, develop boundaries. Realize that what you've learned from that past experience that hurt so much that it made you angry, you know, is now telling you you have to have better boundaries. Great. Do all those things. Don't deny any anger. Don't deny any feeling. Don't shame yourself or feel guilty because you're unpleasant. <laughs> This is the most important thing with this Lilith and Eris thing. The myth of the difficult woman. Well, people need to be difficult to push each other into growth. So owning this way of being involves 
dealing with your own stuff, but then also having compassion for the others who are blaming you for making their lives harder. That's what's going on with this Senate confirmation hearing. I said several times earlier, well, they don't care about what she says. And, and I honestly believe they don't care about, they don't care if 20 people come forward. They're testing the waters. How many can we ignore? How many, how many can we afford? How, can we, how many can we get away with not taking seriously so we can rush this confirmation through? Since we've fucked everything up so much, we're going to lose at least the House in, the, in November. So we have to rush this through before the midterms. That's all they care about, is their political power. We want this guy on the bench. We want a guy from that Federalist Society bench, you know, that list of the shortlist, you know, this very conservative group that chose the applicants or the people that Donald Trump would have a list to choose from, right? And then Trump chose this guy because he's written uh, several times about how you can't indict a sitting president. Like, it's all corruption. That doesn't mean our country's broken or the world is broken. It means that we're confronting how much power we're going to give people who don't care about our voices, who don't care about how their decisions affect us. So if they push, and I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm not doing headlines this morning, uh, the last couple hours, because I've been living my life and now I'm doing this recording for 45 minutes. But um, if they push that vote through and he is confirmed... This will follow him around. This mark, this stain will follow him for the rest of his life. And it will always be noted that these Republicans did this. And it's going to hurt them politically. So how much can they afford to ignore the voices of their constituents? They're going to find out if they choose to ignore the voices of their constituents. Like I said, this is a wave that's spreading. More individuals are realizing the cost of suppressing their pain. Again, it is not in the natural order of things for you to hold on to pain. You cannot help but experience it be triggered in various ways throughout your lifetime. It is normal for you not to be able to forget that rape, that whatever that was so painful. It's normal for you not to be able to dismiss it as meaningless or not worth attention because it matters. But you have to deal with it. So uh, acknowledge the anger and the pain. But then when you bring your story or when you participate in the public square in some way, or if you share it with people, understand your part in this grand, collective, very painful evolutionary phase. Bring compa- You own that you've co-created what you've experienced to teach you how to go from fear into love, which is the mission statement of every soul living a human life. That's why you're here. You're not here to be safe or to have a job. You're not here to have this job over that job. You're not here to you know, meet your soulmate, whatever the fuck that is, that don't even exist. If you have any soulmates, you have dozens. They're intense contracts between souls who love each other, but all souls love each other. So in fact, it's about unfinished business and whatever. So anyway, there's a whole other thing about that, about soulmates. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, people write me sometimes and talk about their twin flames, and I hold my tongue, but there's not one person you're supposed to be with. There might be one person that you crave reconnecting with more than others. Okay, so but lots of people have things to teach you. My God, I gotta get back on track here because I gotta wrap this MP3 up. I gotta go live my life more. <laughs> I gotta go live more of my life more. Um, understand that you must have compassion for all the people who don't get it. Otherwise, you're perpetuating the us versus them thing, tribalism, the power grab crap, the we can't afford to listen to those voices. Remember, Christine Blasey Ford brings her vulnerability. She was earnestly scared and she said so at the outset. She didn't want to be here. She feels like she has to. So if you bring the anger, it is essentially fuel for others to try to block you out. So you must own the anger, realize pain is behind it, understand this victim-perpetrator paradigm needs to go. Because if you're finding this MP3, if you're in my sphere, you have or are currently being exposed to these ideas 
that uh, the higher truth, that you are co-creating all of your experiences, your soul is having you go down certain paths to learn how to be human, to learn about what you're going to do when faced with certain scenarios. And when you've been hurt and you respond with anger, again, that is part of the process, but the evolutionary opportunity is to evolve into compassion and loving states. Okay. So, when you bring your story forward and you participate, have compassion for others who are still angry because they don't know what to do with pain, but learn what to do with pain. That is your job. That's your assignment. That's your homework. For me. <laughs> Again, there's one spot open in the Pluto Intensive as of September 28th at 10.45 uh, a.m. Pacific Time. Be in touch if that person is you. I announced a couple months ago the spots were filled and I know there's a couple people out there who are thinking, oh, maybe that was me. Maybe I should have signed up. And now you do have that opportunity. Again, October 25th through 28th, 2018 in uh, Sedona, Arizona. It's actually Oak Creek, right next to Sedona. Um, one person who signed up just had some stuff going on in her life and unsigned up. So the spot opens up. So um, check out the Goddess book, Goddess Past, Present, and Future. The Lilith Healing the Wild book. The Blackman Lilith NATO Report and the Pluto Intensive, all at tdjacobs.com. Also, I do have programmed crystals and energy work meditations, where when you listen to the meditation, energy work is done on you. Um, that will help issues about sexual violence, healing, molestation, and abuse, any kind of violence, empowering you, clearing energies healing the effects of abuse, transforming self-doubt, depression, anxiety, all those things at tdjacobs.com. Uh, take care of yourself, and thanks for your time and energy.